0: What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, Locked On Dolphins. We have checked the tape, the all 22 from the Dolphins 31 27 victory over the Detroit Lions. We're talking about everything we saw the good, the bad, the ugly here today on Locked On Dolphins.
1: You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, of Locked On Dolphins, your team every day. We don't just say it, we live here on the Locked On Network. Today's episode of Locked On Dolphins is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 extra money on any entry. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match of up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com, promo code Locked On. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Uh, we are a little late getting up today, but well, when there's that many points scored in a game, there's, uh, uh, there's a lot of, of time that you invest into the All-22, which is how I spent my night last night after trick-or-treating with my daughter. And uh, to start the day this morning, watch the Dolphins coaches tape in all three phases, offense, defense, and special teams, and uh, we're going to talk about what we saw. And I'd like to start today on the offensive side of the ball. I know we usually start uh, defensively and, and sa- or sandwich special teams there in the front. We're going to start on the offensive side of the ball because I think the, the biggest storyline, and yes, we knew coming in that uh, Detroit defensively had personnel limitations. They had some coaching issues. They fired their defensive backs coach after the game. Uh, but regardless, from an execution standpoint, I would be willing to go out on the limb and say that week eight Dolphins-Lions is to date the best game of Tua Tonga Valois career from an execution standpoint, from a decision making standpoint, from a skill set standpoint, from an accuracy, like there is so much good from Tua Tangelo throughout the course of this game and it was a lot of the little things that we observed in Pittsburgh that we had these missed opportunities here or a little bit late there or we didn't quite read this this defender right and it put put a ball in risk and man if you were to do the pros and cons list for Tua in this game and yeah good frequency of RPOs they ran that post wheel uh Sneak flat uh, a bunch of times, but they still had success with it uh, because of the horizontal and vertical dynamics that that play puts into the defense whilst having a quarterback who's making a decision in real time at the match point. But the progression passing was really good. Uh, He was really, really confident. And it's, it's it's like a shooter in basketball when you can tell that they're feeling it, right? And obviously everybody will think of Steph Curry with his threes when the ball is out and not in the net yet, and he knows it. And you're watching Tua with some of these middle-of-the-field throws, and he's holding his, holding his release, watching it, or he's backpedaling with the fist up because he knows that he's got it. That level of confidence is really, really surprising based off of what the historical data for Tua has, has shown. And we've known this entire year, the objective has been to create a more confident player. But you can look at college football, you look at professional football, confidence is infectious and it is a very powerful tool. Is a very powerful skill, and that is actually something that uh, Joe Marino and I we talked to Jordan Palmer several times last season. Uh, the quarterbacks coach. He's worked with Joe Burrow, works with Josh Allen, doesn't work with Tua. But we had the conversation around like the common trends in successful quarterbacks, and the number one thing that he said was confidence. Tua is confident right now. Tua is on a level of confidence that you should be pretty excited about now. You're still going to have to go out and execute every week. But you feel good about an opportunity to stack on top of the improvements from Pittsburgh to to Detroit to now do a follow-up against Chicago because Chicago, in the last 10 days, has traded their best two defensive players for draft picks. Robert Quinn and, yesterday, um, Roquan Smith. So... Whether it was play-action pass, under-center, turn the back to the defense, five-step drop, get my head back around. I got a zone indicator in pre-snap based on motion. And I'm going to put the ball on the back shoulder of Tyreek to avoid throwing him into a post safety. The rollouts, the moving pockets, the sliding, the throwaway. That was called OPI on Hunter Long for some reason, even though it wasn't, and it was also an RPO, and that's kind of the risk of extending, holding the ball in RPOs. But the quickness of the decisions, the crispness of the decisions, this was Tua to Tungvaloa's best game as a starting quarterback in the NFL. I know we put up better numbers against Baltimore, but for 60 minutes, you got really high-level play at the quarterback position. I think you're gonna chance to piggyback that, and if you do, then we're gonna see what how powerful confidence is as a tool for Tua. Let's look up front uh, the offensive line. I thought there were some strong performances. Connor Williams is continuing to play at a really high level. There was the miscommunication with the snap where Tua walks up to check the line and they snap the ball, and I think that is the first like hurtful snap exchange error that we've had this season. Uh, the penalty was declined on the play because two, play was dead. So he just threw it away. Um, the athleticism is really impressive. He's cutting off three techniques in the run game. He's getting up on the second level and latching on the backers. Really good stuff from Connor Williams. He deserves a shout to Armstead. Deserves a shout as well. I thought he played very, very well um, in this contest. There was one play where Aiden Hutchinson really got him, but I think there was a miscommunication out front because half the line did one thing and half the line did another thing. So um, I'm not sure where the the lapse was in the call. I can't say with certainty, but I look at the one glaringly, Poor play from Armstead as far as results go, and I think there was a miscommunication on that play. Uh, Brandon Shell, I know I put this this a uh, clip up of him uh, against Hutchinson from early in the game on Monday, and it blew up. But the commentary was, I don't know when Austin Jackson's gonna be back. Mike McDaniel said on uh, Monday that they're they're expecting to get him back this week, but he probably won't play this week. Um, uh, but regardless, when he's ready to play. I'm not putting him at right tackle. Brandon Shell's done everything that you hoped that you could get at right tackle. I'm not moving him out. Oh, he was really good cadence. I thought he was really good in the run game. He's better in the run game than he is as a pass protector, but he he's effective. He's sufficient as a pass protector, especially in this system where the launch point changes. You get a lot of full slides because of play action passing. And even when you're if you're the last man on the full slide and you're sliding away. Usually in this system, they're emulating split flow inside zone. So you've got a fullback or a tight end coming across the set and chopping down the end man on the line of scrimmage. So you do even have like a little bit of baked in protection. That way you're not setting and locking on the backside where you got a pass pro and then you got a two-way go. uh, Which is one of the highlights of what what I think schematically the Dolphins do that, that really allows them to shine. Waddling Hill or Waddling Hill. I don't. I don't think it needs anything beyond that. Uh, a couple other notes that I had: uh, Alec Ingold played a really good game. Uh, he was to his mad dog on on the scramble where he sicked him on Jeff Acuda, uh, which was fun to watch. But in pass protection, he cleaned some poor DB out of out of Detroit coming off the edge on a nickel blitz, and he came all the way across the set and blew him out of the screen was really impressive uh, to watch. Uh, so I thought Alec Ingold had himself a strong performance. Raheem Mostert, with the opportunities that he got, he continues to, to far and away be the Dolphins' best back. The The snap split there, Mostert took 44 snaps. Chase Edmonds took 16. That's out of 68 possible reps. Savon Ahmed did play three snaps in this game. Uh, I think we should probably keep it that way. Um, Chase had a nice run early, uh, and I thought Chase Edmonds was pretty solid in his opportunities when when, there were a handful of reps where he was in in RPOs or or play action pass, and and he's protecting. I thought from a protection standpoint, this was probably the Dolphins' best performance of the season as well. Um, Lee Mikeberg hoping that the uh, the MCL injury is nothing too scary. It was a pretty scary injury with obviously – have a jumper next to you and and you're taught as an offensive lineman, punish jumpers. So if you have somebody who leaves their feet, put them in the ground, make them not want to leave their feet again next time. Well, when the defensive lineman got put into the ground, he came down on the side of Liam's knee. And um, thankfully it's, it's, it sounds like it's an MCL sprain. It doesn't sound like it's potentially season ending, but you know, it is indefinite. And I thought Liam, Liam played probably his best game of the year throughout the from a snap counselor, so with 53 snaps that he took. He's really good in pass pro. Now, Detroit up front, they don't really have a lot of threats inside, so it's not necessarily a surprise. But, again, confidence and stacking. Well, 31 points for the Dolphins in this game. They would have had more if they didn't kill the clock at the end of the game. Uh, they would have had more if they didn't turn it over in the red zone, but they did turn it over in the red zone. So, I, this was a possible 40-burger for Miami. I can't guarantee they're going to go out and give 40 against... Uh, Chicago, but I know Chicago gave up 49 to Dallas last week. And Dallas scored less against Detroit than Miami did. So there is going to be a prime opportunity here offensively. Before we go any further, I make sure I tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy done right. You pick two to five players if their score goes more or less than their prize picks projection. You win up to 10 extra money. There's no competing against other people; it's you versus the house and the projection set by Prize Picks. They offer projections on just about any sport you can imagine, including NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's and women's college basketball, soccer, WMBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Euro basketball, cricket, and more. Believe it or not, uh, entries can be made in sixty seconds or less. It's that that easy, and with safe and fast withdrawals, it is currently operational in over thirty states and Canada. So, download the Prize Picks app. Go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code LOCKEDON. You put in $100, they will give you another 100 You put in $50, they will give you another $50. do not forget to enter promo code locked on and sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100.
1: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: Let's talk defense. Uh, Because the defense, especially in the first half, was a hot mess express, if we're being honest. Um, So I think the the most notable thing for this game was Javon Holland moved around a lot more in this contest than he had previously done. Uh, Prior to, to this point in the season, Javon Holland has played 368 snaps as the Dolphins' free safety. And as the Dolphins' free safety, you're on the back end, you're the quarterback of the back seven, you're making calls, you're making sure communication is taken care of, so on and so forth. 368 snaps through the first eight games of the season. But he only took 14 snaps at free safety against the Lions. It was more Verone McKinley back there as the free safety. And they tried to use Javon Holland to roll down in the box and be a player who fits the run, be a player who plays man-to-man coverage, be a player who um, pressures more in some of those Brandon Jones roles and reps and, and taking those reps. They try to divide that between Javon Holland and Brandon Jones or and um, to take the Brandon Jones role and have Verone McKinley step into the back. Case in point, on the year, Javon Holland is credited with 54 snaps played in the slot. 22 of them, almost half, came against Detroit. Javon Holland has played 65 snaps in the box this year as a second-level defender, nickel linebacker type. 18 of those 65 came against the Lions in Week 8, so effectively one-third of them. And it put Javon Holland in position to make more plays and be closer to the ball. And he had a couple pressures. (sighs) But when the Dolphins mug Javon Holland up in an interior A gap, and they ask him to drop out because they're going to play an exotic cover two. And he is having to get from an interior A to push out over top to play deep half against a corner by TJ Hawkinson. That's a long way to go, especially when you are at the line of scrimmage. He didn't get there. And TJ Hawkinson secures a a 58-yard catch. That's a tough ask. But it's even tougher when your communicators now on the rest of the back end are suffering from miscommunications. I think about Cater Kohu. There was a play. uh, The Dolphins scored uh, to to cut it to seven points. And you blinked, and Detroit was back down in the red zone. They hit a deep shot down the field, down the left sideline. And Javon Holland is playing in the high post, and he's expecting Cater Kohu. They're in cover three to continue to sink and drop to take away the deep portion of the field. But instead, Cater, he's playing outside corner, and he sees the outside receiver runs an in-breaking route. And he tries to squat on it as though he was going to drive on it. And instead, the receiver from the slot, who is pushing directly at Javon Holland, then breaks it into a corner and runs into all that open grass. A couple plays later, Detroit's back in the end zone. And on the end of that play, so Javon Holland's down there and he touches him down. And Kater Kohu comes up in pursuit as though he was also, you know, going to make sure that the player was down before he got up and, and rolled into the end zone. And Javon looks at him and he, he shows him the three. He's like, We're in three. And he's very cl- visibly, clearly telling him, We're in three. And then there's other plays where the lines shift or they motion. And Javon's on the second level. And he's he's telling guys you got to move, you got to go with him, get over there And the other there's just not the same level of confidence in getting lined up and being proper and knowing that that you are set correctly. And that is a tightrope that I don't know how the dolphins are going to fix unless you reside yourself to play Javon Holland at free safety, understand his impact might be mitigated from a playmaking skills perspective. But you're you're going to be lined up right. And everybody's going to be on the same page and it's going to be a lot less frantic. Whether or not they do that, I don't know. I would imagine Eric Rowe moving forward would probably be a good idea because at this point in his career, Eric Rowe is not the most effective tackler. He's not as athletic as he once was. still a fine player, right? And if you want to have somebody play in the Brandon Jones role it should be Eric Rowe now the dolphins in this game because detroit likes to play a ton of 12 22 and 13 personnel which is more heavy they're not they're not going to come out here and run a bunch of four wide receiver sets cuz they quite frankly have one wide receiver right now um they played more three linebacker stuff and i think that 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 is really embodied with from a snap count perspective duke riley took 28 snaps Um, Let's see, Jerome Baker played 60, and Elan Roberts played 35. That's a lot of snaps for your backers, to have three backers on the field. And when they were four-man down, or however they chose to do the front, you saw a lot of Riley, Baker, and Roberts all on the field at the same time. So for this specific matchup, I get it. But I would do some tweaks coming out of this for when you have to play Chicago, who's another team that is going to want to run the ball. Now you have a much better talent advantage on the front in this game coming up than the one that you just got out of. Detroit's the top three offensive line of football. And yet despite that, there's Jalen Phillips. Two quarterback hits, five hurries. Really good rushing the passer again. I have at least nine screen caps of him with the ball leaving Jared Goff's hand, and he is a half a step away. And there are those who say, oh, well, that's great. He didn't make a play. Well, he influenced several of those throws to be incomplete passes. He was once again phenomenal in the run game. He was phenomenal in the run game. But you'll look at the stat sheet, and you'll see he had two tackles and assume Jalen Phillips didn't do anything. Please. Expand your mind. Watch the tape. Phillips was phenomenal. Again, he has, in my mind, it's him and Javon Holland are the two best players on the Dolphins' defense right now with the level that they are playing in week in and week out. And Javon Holland himself did not have a great game because he was asked to do some really, really ambitious stuff against against Detroit. Jalen Phillips is stacking tight ends, keeping outside, working back across their face, ducking inside, running down the backside, making tackles, stringing runs out to the edge, rushing the passer from inside gaps, twists inside, winning off the edge against both Taylor Decker and Penny Sewell, winning one-on-ones. He's turning the arc at a much higher level right now than he was at the start of the year, which was, I think, his biggest area of improvement as a pass rusher. But again, when people on the back end are having communication breakdowns and you have to play a lot more zone, your expectation for how long it is going to take from snap to release, nobody's going to get sacks in a lot of those situations. But Jalen Phillips was a menace again in this contest, and he should not be overlooked when talking about the strong performances that were in place. Uh, and, And just as a case in point on that, Let me make sure I get the most up-to-date numbers here. Jalen Phillips is currently eighth in the NFL in pressures. We do this check-in every week, and he is higher and higher. Eighth in the NFL, 32 pressures. The only players with more pressures this season than Jalen Phillips are Miles Garrett, a number one overall pick, Micah Parsons, who has 39 versus Jalen's 32. Matthew Judon with the Patriots. Zadarius Smith in Minnesota. Nick Bosa, top five pick. Rayshon Gary, top 20 pick. Brian Burns, top 20 pick. Jalen Phillips. That's the list. Most consistent, impactful pressure pass rushers in the league to this point. Top 10 player. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting, football, and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. As always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.
1: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: Trying to think of any of the notes that I have defensively that I want to make sure that we get to. Uh, Looking at a couple of players who I, I was surprised how little we got of Noah Igbenogany. Less than 20 snaps defensively. He did give up the one completion on a third down out of a bunch set. And I'll say this, you know, for, for Detroit, Detroit obviously scored 27 points in the first half. They did not score in the second half. They had three possessions. They had negative yards in two out of the three. Turn it over on downs on an ambitious fourth and short throw down the field. So... Usually, throughout the course of a game, you'll have plays that are built off a previous play. You'll see something on tape and you'll come out and you'll say, okay, we're going to come back to that later in the game. I think Detroit, in their urgency to get a win, I think they kind of emptied the chamber early in the game. They gave a lot of different looks, they gave a lot of different wrinkles that conceptually still kind of went after what you thought Miami was going to do in coverage. But I think it did catch up to him to the point where, well, as the game wore on those winning plays, those winning wrinkles, they showed them all. And it that's how they got to the 27 points. Obviously there's also a fake punt that's included in there that allowed them to get an extra three points. Um, But I I think Detroit, their urgency really showed with how they coached, and that paired with Miami's decision to move Javon Holland and change the communication of the defense um, was the biggest reason why we saw the challenges that we did. Now, Detroit also got after Miami up front a little bit. Uh, Early in the game, double teams on Raquan Davis. Frank Ragnall's a really good player at center. Um, John Jenkins in some short yardage situations, they successfully ran at him. Uh, Penny Sewell was a beast in the run game, regardless of who he was blocking. Um, it's one of those things where you, you got to tip your cap to what the other side of the ball did as well. And, uh, I, I thought Jonah, Jank, uh, Jonah Jackson, the right guard or the left guard, excuse me, uh, had some really nice moments, especially when he was locked up on John Jenkins. So, it's a that's the strength and the identity of Detroit. Uh, that component of the game, uh, they really, um, they really did a nice job against some talented players that the Dolphins have in their front. But uh, I, I think Miami should consider themselves fortunate that the offense moved the ball the way that we thought they would and that they were capable of. Because if they hadn't. And that game got a little bit later, and it was still a two-score game. I think Detroit really could have turned the heat up and really pounded the rock. So we just got to, whatever communication system, whether it's we're moving Devon Holland back or we're doing something differently, it needs to be right by kickoff against Chicago on Sunday. Point blank period, no questions asked. Uh, Special teams, there's there's really not a lot. Uh, Detroit saw something on the field goal team or the, the extra point team for Miami, they really went aggressively at Michael Dieter and they really went aggressively at Zach Sealer, And they had a lot of penetration. And that would be something that I, if I am Danny Crossman am looking to get ironed out uh, because you, there was a, a, a concerning amount of push on the field goal slash extra point team that puts you in a position where, If teams continue to see that, it's going to be a matter of time before the push is so early that it impacts a kick. And we we can't live in that world. The special teams have already been a little bit bit of pulling teeth to this point in the season. But there's your observations. We really – we we don't have too much special teams because we punted twice and uh, we kicked a bunch of extra points. (laughs) And kickoff, you know, there's – there's not a lot. I, I did think that the punter for Detroit helped Miami out a little bit. I thought Jack Fox hung a couple punts really long, and it allowed us to get some good returns uh, in the return game. And another one that was negated by Jalen Phillips when the Dolphins went return safe. They left the defense out there <laughs> um, after the, the first fake. Um, Jalen Phillips did did have a block in the back that was ticky-tack, but he did put his hands there, and he didn't have to, and then that that allowed that big return that set Miami up and set the forty-five to to be pulled back. So, uh, all in all, good team win, resilient win. Uh, feels good to have the kind of trust in any side of the ball in any given week, as Coach Mike McDaniel said in the post game uh, to his team. But uh, we're we're now looking forward to turning the page. We power to the pod tomorrow, and then we are going to go ahead and dive into. Uh, The Chicago Bears, got to watch some tape and and start to educate ourselves about this team and what we're going to expect. Kyle Krabs, Locked On Dolphins, your team. Every day, fins up and keep it locked in. Right here on Locked On Dolphins.
1: Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.